Gentlemen of the Peugeot board, the reason I have brought you here today is because I think we might win the Le Mans 24-hour race this year. Incroyable! Oui, zut, talent! Unbelievable! Yes, it really looks like 2009 could be our year. As you know, that would be a complete disaster for Peugeot. If we won, people might want to buy our road cars, and that would mean we would have to restart production at our factories that we have just spent so much money closing down. It would be terrible. So, I ask you, please, think of some cunning scheme which would stop us from actually winning. No, the phone. That is both strange and uh, convenient. Hello? Hello, is this Le Stain d'Amour Dry Cleaners? Uh, dry Cleaners? Mais no, this is a boardroom of one of the largest industrial concerns in all of France. Good. Uh, when will my trousers be ready? We do not have your trousers. This is Peugeot you have called. You appear to have made a foolish, easily avoidable and ultimately embarrassing mistake. Who is this, anyway? It is Sebastian Bourdais. Oh, well, that explains a lot. You are clearly prone to errors. Sebastian Bourdais. Don't hang up, Monsieur Bourdais. I think we may have some work for you. <laughs> Oh, it's my favourite time. Oh, actually, I can't even finish that because if I sing more than three notes of that, I am in copyright trouble. Welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. It is my favourite time of the year as the new F1 cars are released. I used to... Maybe you do this too. I used to draw the cars as they came out to get you know, familiar with them, I would sketch them out myself and Windows Paint, seriously. But I would also collect the pictures of the new cars, and some new shots of the F1 cars, and send them to, well, I've done it to you, Zog, haven't I? I've yeah, so you're not talking about when you were, like, 16, or, or even 8 or something. You're talking about no, well into your 30s, at least. <laughs> this is Richard Porter, and with me is also Zog. How are you doing, guys? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for putting up with me and my obsessiveness. Are you obsessed with the new F1 cars as I am? Do you get excited? I get excited, yeah. It's, uh, particularly in a year when uh, you know there are technology changes, we're going to see more variation in the cars than typically will between years. Yeah. Uh, because you know when rules stay static, designs stagnate. Yeah, they stagnate yeah. because people are yeah. getting closer to optimum solutions, and yeah. there's, there's less room for innovation. There's there's room for innovation this year, so we're seeing you know a lot more difference between the cars, noticeably longer wheelbases on some of the cars, doing different things with the front wings, and even one or two little Ferrari got this odd thing going on with their mirrors. They seem to be sort of they seem to have found something some way. Of introducing yeah. an aerodynamic element. Yeah, yeah Ferrari uh, have managed to spot something in the rules which allows you to stick your wing mirrors on stalks which come up from the floor pan, conveniently creating a very narrow turning vein like those tower wings, which will at least manage the airflow in a way that they weren't allowed to do under the laws, so, under the rules. So that's a bit of a imaginative sidestepping. Yeah, yeah they, as we know, Ferrari are always an absolute stickler for the rules, so um, <laughs> they, they must have been looking at them quite hard. <laughs> Very good, Richard. My mate Bobby. No, I'm being absolutely serious. Stickler for this the rules, is Ferrari. My face. You, were, you, know, he, you did have a straight face when he said it. I, I can. I can. <laughs> my Ferrari mate Bobby. Like my mate Bobby 
she's already fallen in love with the nose of the Ferrari. Is it called the F60? Ah, yeah, it's quite a good thing they're giving it a sort of proper name because usually they just call it, you know, the F2060, that's the whatever. And uh, yes, they've given it a sort of, what is to celebrate 60 years. Indeed. Of of Ferrari Ferrari being in the championship. Yes, yeah. Which is quite nice. Easy to remember. Yeah. You know, none of your FW29 slash four type MP61942. I think think what it really, their main reason for doing that is to go to VJ Malia and his VJ02, (laughs) which is what it is this year. It's like, we are 58 more than you. (laughs) So which one do we like the look of? What do you... I I like the Ferrari. I like the... I I tell you what, I like the front wing mounts on the Ferrari. It's got these lovely kind of... Bam, uh, boomerang. boomerang, boomerang, front wing not mounts, bamboo. not bamboo. That would be Actually, rubbish. It's fine. Bamboo is in many ways a useful wood, an underrated <laughs> fine wood. Fine construction Trims the interior can... of some Aston Martins. However, you F1 now it. goes to China. <laughs> that heightened risk of panda attack <laughs> means it's just not worth it. <laughs> oh dear me! It's very slowly moving towards the pit garage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're lazy, aren't they, pandas? Don't get me started on pandas. <laughs> Don't get me started on pandas as well. I love, love a panda. There's a difference between the giant panda and the and the red panda and their species categorisation. Oh, I can talk about that. But let's not. Let's talk about Formula One cars. They're just big fat but, lemurs, in yes. my opinion. <laughs> anyway, the, so, yeah, the new Ferrari's got that lovely pointy nose and those lovely front wing mounts. Oh, gorgeous, isn't it? What a Sculpted Coke bottle rear end it's got. I, I tell you what, I, I give it a big sexy kiss up the what, like Ferrari a, bum. Sh- sorry, sorry. Was, I got quite excited then. I, really, I told you it's my favourite time Don't of the year. Uh, yeah, it has. It's got, it's, it's a bit Coke bottly, like a Mark III Cortina. Oh, the God, woman. Oh, I've just made it oh, Mark III, the car I learned to drive in, and there's nothing sexier in the world than that. Anyway, the McLaren. <clears throat> oh, it's quite attractive in a sort of yeah, sensible right, way. Less yeah. less curvy at the back than the yeah. uh, down the side. Yeah. If we're talking about, good. about the curvature, yeah. uh, the Renault has uh, has some fascinating sort of side podage going on there. It's a Doctor Jekyll situation with the Renault. Mm. Rear end of the Renault could be a BRM from 1968. A lot of curvature, right. yeah. amazing amount of curvature. Front end. Is it a Formula Palmer Audi <laughs> or is it an F3000, the first version? Of F3? I've never seen such a contrast between the front and the back of a car. Uh, well, since the Tyrrell P34, which had six wheels. Bizarre! It's like a chisel at the front. It's a noticeably wide nose, whereas most of the other cars have gone for m- much narrower. Williams is nice and narrow. The uh, hmm. Ferrari's got narrow. There's a trend for a bit of sculpting on the, the sides of the ends of the nose. There's a bit of an odd sculpting thing, which I've never seen going on before which apparently is to turn the section where the front wheels are mounted into a... See, there's this sort of guppy thing that goes underneath here as well, Mm. and it's to create an area of low pressure here, so it gets a bit more downforce from the body because the front wing isn't doing what it should do. Do you know what I like about when they do these new aero things is that uh, they all then announce their cars, and genuinely there must be some trepidation that they then look at the next door's car and go... 
Oh God! Why didn't we think of that? Yeah, yeah. It's obvious now. Yeah. But we're now in one of those moments when the designers are casting around for solutions in a way that they haven't had to so much because, mm. particularly with the change to slick tyres, that's going to be the biggest difference in terms of how the cars are, are handling and how they deal with the different weight distribution setup that that's going to require. And yeah, so they're going to be coming up with different solutions. Yeah, whose is going to be the best? It's funny you mentioned the sort of F three thousand. Or even the Formula Power Audi thing, because you know you're saying that they roll out these cars and you're always excited to see them. And I have to admit, being quite shallow, I always just sort of instantly the first thing I think of is purely the aesthetics of them. Oh, oh yeah. I think hmm. this is fundamentally an ugly season we've got coming up because the cars just look out of proportion now. I know it's because we're used to a certain look from Formula One cars, but now they seem to have gone all sort of flat, wide noses, and then basically a sort of cut-out cornflake box well, on the back. It's the back, for me, that, that, that is maybe the area where they're not looking quite yeah. right. They, you know, I, I, the, I think, you know, yeah, they, they just look too small at the back, too narrow. Yeah, it's like someone's sort of taken the thing and squashed it at the back. You don't really have to get used to these front wings, guys, it's my opinion. Because they're all going to get broken off in first yeah. corner. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. They're so wide, and they're apparently, according to the drivers, they're invisible. The extremities are invisible yeah. to the drivers, yeah. and they're broader than the, the front wheels. Yeah, by by lap three, there's only going to be one car with the front wing left on it. Uh, <laughs> you might be right. I think there's a solution to that, and it's something that uh, many people have in their road cars already: parking sensors. <laughs> I like the way you think, Mister Porter. Kimmy, we're getting a lot of noise on the radio. Yeah, it's no, it's Kimmy, turn up, turn off your parking sensor. Turn them off. No, Kimmy, still, still, same problem. He's still, same problem. We can't. No, it's a terrible noise. Parking sensor making terrible noise. Uh, I think that's actually him talking. Mamma mia. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Red Ensign. Today I'm going to show you how to make a 2009 Formula One car all of your very own. First, you'll need an old F3000 car, but don't worry if you can't find one, because a redundant A1GP car would do just as well. If you can't find one of those, just ask Tony Texera, he's got loads. Start off by making the rear wing, and you can do that by simply cutting the sides out of an old cereal box. It's certainly what all the real teams have done. Next, attach the front wing, and I'd recommend doing that with just one piece of double-sided sticky tape. Let's face it, it's just going to come off during the race anyway. Look, here's one I broke off earlier. Finally, install your KERS system. To do that, you'll need to couple up to the rear of the internal combustion engine a small electric motor, which under braking acts as a generator, converting the rotational energy of the wheels into electrical energy, which is then stored in a high-capacity, lightweight lithium-ion battery pack. Ow! It can be a bit tricky, so you might have to get the help of an adult with this bit. During acceleration, the energy from that stack of batteries is used to drive the electric motor, which feeds the extra power back into the drivetrain. So this parallel hybrid drive system recovers lost energy and reuses it, increasing efficiency, although it will only really do that if the amount of energy recovered is sufficient to offset the increasing weight of the vehicle due to the addition of the complex hybrid drivetrain and battery. And don't worry if you didn't understand all that. Neither do Toyota or Renault. 
or even Ferrari. Next week, Connie will show you how to solve the world economic crisis with a toilet roll, a squeezy bottle and 400,000 billion US dollars. Sniff petrol! <laughs> Get down, ship! Making this programme is such a joy. You know, it's not that we have to decide what to talk about in the show. We have to decide what to leave out of the show. And because the whole government... <clears throat> bailout which wasn't a bailout thing happened for the British motor industry in the last show we didn't get a chance to talk about Detroit unfortunately which was hot on our minds at the time so I know we're a bit late but there were some very interesting cars at yeah. Detroit yes, uh, yes, um, and I know that we really disagree on one of them the new VW Roadster. What's it, what's it called? The Blue Motion something? Oh no, blimey. That's we were idly chatting about it before the show. I can't remember. Is it called the EcoSport or something like that? Uh, well, that was the... Um, I, I think no, see, there that is a was the, Blue Star. Is it's all right. We've got a popular paper. weekly motoring magazine, yeah. the, the, the uh, one that doesn't make stuff up. EcoRoadster was the name of the concept, oh, wasn't it? it? Yeah, this is Blue Sport. Blue Sport, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember you saying blue is the new green. Well, it is amongst the Germans, yes. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Blue motion, blue sports, blue yeah. green. I, know, I still blue motion. Because, you know, I in still, Welsh, there's an explanation for this. little blocks that they leave in loose. There's an explanation for this. I think they're actually Welsh, the Germans, because in Wales, a long time ago, we didn't differentiate between blue and green. They both had the same word for them, glass. That meant blue or it meant green. Is that because the sea off Wales is grey? Yes. Any description <laughs> of that kind of colour is irrelevant. It's also why it took uh, Wales a while to discover blue-green colour blindness. <laughs> <laughs> you mean there is a difference? So what do we think of this green sport? Sorry, yeah, blue sport. It's a great-looking little car. I you mean, think that's uh, great? I, I think... I don't know if you've seen it. I mean, you know, it, it's not great in the way that, you know, a Ferrari 250 is great, but it's a, you know, a neat-looking, cute little car. I, I think, think that is absolutely... Fapping superb. And it's I a, love the way it looks. I hope that it drives properly because they're going to make it. Near as damn it confirmed they're going to make yeah. it. Probably not until I think they've said 2012 now, which is a bit of a long way away. Mm. But you know, uh, developing cars takes a while. However, you know, if they can make it lightweight, diesel is, I suppose, a little diversion as well. It might be all right, but they're also saying there's, a, there's going to be a petrol one as, as well, and it'll probably have something like a 1.2 litre turbo engine in it. So it'll probably do 40, 50 miles to the gallon and still be zippy enough if they can mm. keep the weight out. I just think that looks brilliant, and it could be superbly in tune with the times. What's not to like, Gareth? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no, seriously, what don't you like about um, it? Uh, I don't think it's dramatic enough. I think VW have got too bland a front end at the moment. I like the way that the haunches work over the wheels. I like the wheels, although they're a bit California for me. I think the headlamps are a bit... I think that's a bit Japanese, isn't it? Not very European, well, those headlamps. I just picking on details, though, because there's an overall thing, and I think this is something that's... That, you know, a two-seater roadster, particularly sort of mid-engine one, or for that matter, a front-engine one, because we, you know, we like an MX-5. We love an M. Well, we the older MX-5, yeah. yeah. Two-seater yeah. roadsters. It's just they're one of those things. If you love cars, they, they touch your heart, apart from MGBs, because yeah. they're awful. But <laughs> everything else, you know, there's just something about them. An Austin Healy Frog Eye Sprite, something Aww. like that. A smart roadster, you know, you just can't Aww. help but even though they're technically not very good sometimes, smart roadster being a case in point, and I had yeah. one for a year, and I just, I adored it because... 
I mean, it, you know, you just, know it, it, little open top cars, essence of summer motoring. Yeah, fantastic. it's just but, it's something. I think that's the thing. I, I think it's, it's great to see like, somebody like, having a modern, intelligent shot yeah. at a new design. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with the diesel power plant at all. I think no, no, I don't. I don't. Great way of trying to come up with you know with you know an economical but fun little sports car. It's as sensible as Angela Merkel should rev for some reason. You always because they're the kind of cars that you do, and you know, someone that comes away someone goes, "Oh, he's only got a five-speed gearbox," but in that case, it doesn't really matter because you'll always be driving down country lanes in it in your mind least. I mean, that doesn't really happen. But in your head, as soon as you see one of those, you go, oh, well, it's bound to be affordable, because actually the genius of proper two-seater sports cars like that, they, they should be affordable, and yeah. therefore, you could dream of having one, but actually, you know, it's not that distant to dream. Save up a bit... And you can and go and have do a it. Old it's spine. not like yeah, well, exactly. It's the same sort of thing. I mean, MX fives are down to like less than a grand now, yeah. and you could go yeah. and get one. I don't know why I haven't. By the yeah, way, oh, I do know why. It's because my girlfriend's American, and she always says you can't have a, a Miata. As yes, it's called yeah, Miata, right? yeah. because basically you'll look it's a girl's gay. Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just you go, she you look so gay in that car, and I'm like, well, but, but I'm not gay. I'm not not in London. Yeah, no, I think we have a different perception of them here. Yes, people do go, oh, you're a hairdresser, but no. Apparently, in the US, in California, where that car was a huge hit but it was exclusively bought by women and gay men so mm. she claims <laughs> making my, making you're doing some research terrible <laughs> can we talk about another car from the VAG group yes uh, the Audi A7 oh now yes or again. as I think it should be called the Avant there's a, they've missed an opportunity there, haven't they, to, to use the yeah, term yeah, Avant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love a big Luxo barge. I like that one. It's ever so wide, isn't it's it? It's a handsome car, but actually I noticed something about this. We're looking at a photo of it here. If you blank off the front, yeah. now basically that's actually quite bland, isn't it? It's well proportioned. Yeah, like could be a Hyundai Genesis. Yeah, it could yeah. be a Hyundai Genesis. I was yeah. thinking actually it could be sort of some kind of infinity concept. Yeah. It's got that kind of whip, 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 yeah. back window there. Yeah. It's just it's got what car designers always say, sort of good surfacing. Look at the way that yeah. sort of that comes out there, and then there's a very there's got a, a horizontal clear, to yeah, vertical cord line. Yeah. And just that it's all very nice. Bit of a crease. But actually, it's a little bit bland. But it is a very handsome car nonetheless. So yeah, I quite like that. Uh, what yeah. else was at Detroit? Well, the Americans. America released two cars, didn't it? Yes. One which was a Chrysler concept, which they exhumed from something they did about five years ago they call it the Chrysler 200C I'm going to have to check that mm. I don't know but the most interesting one no, it was is called the 200C which was is that um, right did I get that right from memory yeah, which is supposed to be sort of designed I suppose as a baby brother to the 300C but will probably actually give an indication of what the next 300C will look like which they have said in the past few weeks you know as a statement of intent we are working on the following new cars Chrysler's boss has said this you know it's not as if we're all sitting around yeah. crying yeah. because we're in trouble well, they, we're they, busy making they have cars. a momentum I mean they've been working on those cars it's only this has only happened in the last three months so they've certainly got two years developed well, they've got to complete the it industry, isn't it, isn't it? Yeah. and then they sort of announce new cars and, and people go well that's you know that's a bit inappropriate that's not what you should be making now you should be making a two door hatchback with, a, with an engine that runs on leaves but the problem is that it takes so long to develop cars that what we're seeing now are things that were signed off in you know 2003 2004 probably yeah. in most cases unless you know you're someone like Mazda who seems to be able to do a car in a week which is amazing. That's true, actually. They, they churn them out, don't they, they Mazda? It's incredible. Mazda, yeah. it's, not, it's not said enough. I think Mazda are pretty, you know, apart yeah. from Toyota, but then but then Toyota do something very clever where they never launch a, an all-new car, or very rarely do they do that. The IQ is probably mm-hmm. an exception. Even that, the engines aren't necessarily brand new. But they never do a sort of all-new car. They, mm-hmm. they, they do it incrementally, mm-hmm. but keep the bodies fresh and stuff like that. And then that way, apart from anything else, it lessens the risk of something going wrong Mm-hmm. Incurring a massive warranty cost, and that's why Toyota is so reliable. Fact: Evolution <laughs> yeah, is, is better than revolution. Yeah, it is.
and that's you know people say Toyotas are boring but but by god they've got good switches oh, yeah. <laughs> Reliabil- reliability is boring. True, right? no, it is. But well, do you find yourself getting more and more excited by reliability? The we talked about yes. this on uh, a couple of shows ago. Yes. We were talking about Lexus, and, then, and we just had a chat in Gareth's kitchen before we did the show about old old Lexuses. And, and have, why, have you why... bought it yet? No, <laughs> you're going to, aren't you? Admit it. You really are. He's going to look you know, at one. And do you know what the problem is? The thing, the thing that excites me most, because I was following a Jaguar XJ8 down the Malibone Road this evening, and I was thinking that's the car I really want because I want a big, comfy car. Hmm. And that's the one I really want, but I just can't 100% depend on it. And I would apply the same to a BMW 7 Series or a Mercedes S-Class, both of which I've looked at as well. And I just think, because I want reliability in an old car. Now, I think that makes me technically old. I'm 33 going on 63. Can I call this meeting to order? Sorry. I, wa- I-, I want to talk <laughs> about this caddy in a minute, oh, yes, this Cadillac. Yes, oh. But just being as we're on this little... Little avenue. This little, you're talking about the potential of Lexus ownership for you coming very, very soon. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what I realised? The other You've thing got we're talking 30 about, seconds. Before we, were, we started recording the show as well, I was talking about how I was doing my tax paperwork the other day and I was listening to some old shows and I realised something that I did in an old show where I, where I was mocking Lexus owners and going, oh, I drive a Lexus. <laughs> Forgetting A, that I quite fancy one at the moment, and B, you've already got one. <laughs> yeah, which actually, I, was, I listened to it and I was there and I was busy sorting out my bank statement so I can give it to my accountant. And I suddenly went, oh my God, that was really rude. I'm um, nothing if not a man of contrast. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> anyway, sorry, what were you going to yeah, say? So that, 30 seconds. We, you're going to tell us about the Lexus you're going to buy. I'm not going to buy it. Stop me from buying one. I don't need it. No, I'm not going to stop yeah, you from buying a Lexus. Yeah, yeah. But, Tune in for the next show to find out if I've bought a Lexus I don't need for less money than a really nice watch. But here's the thing. Zog, you've got 30 seconds. Here's the headlines on the last two weeks you've had driving a Lexus, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, with a, driving a 220. D for the last couple of weeks uh, whilst uh, whilst the 944 has been uh, having a dent or two pulled out of it. Um, and a couple put in, new ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Um, and, uh, no, it, it, it's been fantastic. It's a, it's a lovely car to, uh, to spend a couple of weeks with. I, I, I love the headlight beam dip adjustment. Lovely little feature. Um, you know, that's I love been like fa- a legal requirement on all new cars since about the 90s no but the manual adjustment See, really? you, you both drive this, older cars no, now, all you? the time well yeah. I have to drive new cars it's, no no, no but you don't also know here's the point you you, Gareth you Mr yeah. Jones drive uh, an old car from that was in, imported from Japan yeah uh, European legislation doesn't apply and also yeah. all the new cars you drive now are really really flashy and have got xenon headlights <laughs> so by law they have to have automatic adjustment oh, therefore the switch is blanked off oh. all new cars have had to have that since uh, I, about nineteen ninety. I guess 95, 96 oh I must I must drive a cheap and car and it is quite cool <laughs> no it's great have you never seen as well and Gareth you have seen this in, in one of uh, one of the really expensive cars you drive <laughs> I'm mocking you as yes. I, as, uh, under EU hypocrisy laws you can now kill me um, <laughs> but on, on a lot of cars with xenon lights because by law they have to have self levelling because otherwise there's a risk that you yeah. know you can blind people with the lasers coming out of your headlights <laughs> uh, a lot of xenon headlight cars when you start on the ignition at night and then turn the headlights they then self level themselves and it's actually like watching a Jean-Michel Jarre concert because they do go Bzz. my old Seat Leon had directional headlights and self-levelling xenon things as well and what would happen is they would start cross-eyed and low and then they would go Bzz 
it up like cool. wonderful and straighten out like rendezvous and with London it was brilliant <laughs> I, was, I, just, I used to sometimes go and sit in it and turn the headlights on at night for no reason at all and that's why we've got you on <laughs> this show Richard <laughs> the kind like of loser um, where were we Zogs well, I, I was going to all the, so, the newfangled gadgets yeah, they had they had these things called Seat belts which I believe strap you to no unlockable fuel cap metallic paint and flashing lights at the side rather little stalks that come out yes. the, <laughs> the chap with the red flag no man walking in front of the car it's, um, yeah. no the headlight levelling thing there we go that's a, a bit of a EU legislation well, I didn't that know that was a, a requirement but, uh, um, also Xenon headlights by law in the EU have to have headlamp washers because they run at higher temperatures and there was a concern that those temperatures could bake dirt onto them and then they'd start to be, get refracted off at zany angles and blind people again so you have to have headlamp washers BMW M3 CSL last shape this is all going to get cut out. Um, <laughs> Not now. They, because um, I've just said that. Um, but no, old, old uh, shape BMW M3 CSL, the first shipment to the UK, they all arrived. They'd forgotten to put the headlight washers on. They had Xenon so, lights. They had to go back to headquarters and have them fitted because it's illegal uh, to not have them. Well, Another I fact. I never knew that. I've gone anyway, mad. I don't know what I'm talking was, about. I'm sorry. Well, the Lexus was Cadillac. lovely, and now it's the gone Lexus back. It's, nice. uh, I'm, you know, it, it's nice to have the Porsche back, but uh, it was lovely to have the Lexus for a couple I'm of weeks. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I, I feel part of the Lexus family now, I'll tell you. That. Well done. Can we all stop talking about Lexus, <laughs> Yes. Well, that's it. We haven't got time to talk about this new Cadillac Converge. Actually, we have. We have. Um, Cadillac uh, released a smart move, I think, right? If you're a bit strapped for cash, mm. this is what you do. This is kind of what the supermarkets in Britain, I think, are doing at the moment. They're repackaging their cheap stuff as expensive stuff to make more profit. And what they've done is they've taken the Chevy Volt platform, which, now, is this a plug-in hybrid? It's a range extender, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a range extender. So it's a battery-powered car, and you charge it up by plugging it in at home, but it's got a small engine, 1.4-litre turbo, if I remember, which charges up the batteries when you're on long journeys. Smart smart solution. Zonk approves that solution. I know he does, right? So taking that same platform, they've slapped on that gorgeous, and I do mean gorgeous, is it a Simon Cox? Is it who designs for I don't know whether Cadillac? he did this one, but he, he certainly is there, the guy who came up with that look that all mm. modern Cadillacs have. And he came up with it in Birmingham. Uh, uh, great. He's based in Birmingham. Yeah, 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 that's which, what, yeah. Fair enough, he, he didn't want yeah. to move to America, so they said, well, all right, you can do our advanced studio and it'll be in Birmingham. I remember seeing the, uh, the conventional... The uh, syndrome. Approach, yeah. Do you remember when he did that yeah, Ferrari? Yeah, yeah, went, yeah, I'm not yeah. moving to Italy. Yeah. Doing it here. My office is in Guildford. Yeah, that that's one. right. Yeah, <laughs> Ferrari, Guildford. <laughs> so I remember seeing what was the CTS Coupe at the British Motor Show, and uh, I remember thinking what a glorious motor vehicle that was at the time. And the idea of having it with the Volt underpinnings, very smart. Is this the car to save General Motors? You have 20 seconds to answer that question. Richard. What, the Cadillac one? Yeah. No. Thank you. But the Volt is. I yeah. mean, the Volt could yeah. be. I don't know. Yeah. I worry yeah. about it in that respect because I think that actually the, the start-up costs of making a car like that and building a car, because the thing is, the American motor industry is very... Oh, why am I talking quickly? You, you said, oh, <laughs> 20 seconds. seconds yeah, yeah. It's like when we were whispering and that Lexus the other way. <laughs> Stop mentioning Lexus! Um, I think the thing is, that one of the reasons the American car industry was profitable for a while was because they were essentially turning out the same tin boxes all the time and they just got economies of scale. It was just a cookie-cutter principle, particularly with the big trucks, hmm. the development costs of those big ladder frame chassis were amortised yeah. back in the 60s probably, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. very, very simple and when they start doing something more complex yeah. you know, you, you can't imagine how complicated it is to build a car because mm. you, you've got to have a production line where you put each bit in in turn, it's got to be efficient and it's got to be simple 
so that it can be done with a minimum number of people as quickly as possible. And mm -hmm. suddenly you've got to do something that's not your normal stock in trade, which is making essentially now for GM. Are you saying they're out of their depth? Bog standard front wheel drive cars. Uh, I don't think they're out of their depth, but I just think that just what, 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 what is that? Yeah, it's a more expensive Can't production process. Yeah. And, you know, there was a theory a while ago that uh, Toyota were losing money on early Priuses yeah. because that was so complex to yeah. do and the, the materials that went into it were so expensive. Mm -hmm. I suppose the Volt... But they've got it back in volume. Yeah, yeah, they've got it back in volume. But um, And Toyota, if anyone's going to make money, eventually it's going to be Toyota because they just yeah. absolutely refine the production process to the nth degree. General Motors, are they any good at that? Can they do this? I don't think the Cadillac... The Cadillac could over the long term, actually be the saviour of them, only in as much as they'll be able to charge more money for something exactly. that yeah. is fundamentally predicated of the yeah. sums are done on it being a yeah. Chevy Ergo, a cheap yeah. car. I think I just said Ergo. They've done it before. Sorry. They've done it before. Do you remember the J cars? Was it yeah. where they strung a Chevy, a Pontiac? J, -car J -car. Was, the, was the Vauxhall Buick Cavalier Skylark, in this country. The, Cavalier, the first front-wheel drive Chevy car. Cavalier. It's a good story behind that car, which I won't bore you with now, but yeah, it was, it was a sort of one of the first proper global platforms and possibly underrated in that, you know, when people talk about the world car, the Ford Mondeo, yep. when it first came out yep. in the early 90s, it was a world car, yep. they tried to sell it in the States, it bombed. Yeah. The GMJ car was, was a it. proper world car because yeah. they didn't make too much song and dance about it and they tailored it to local markets yeah. and it was a nice Suzu in Japan and it was a yeah. Chevy in the US and it was a Vauxhall and an Opel in Europe and, yep. and they sold that all over the world. It was a Holden in Australia. It was a genius bit of work and it was a fairly simple thing, but uh, it worked. And the Volt is going to be an Ampera. That's it, yeah, and they've released a little sort of teaser uh, sketch of it. American Ampera. electric car. Yeah. We talked about Ampere before, yeah. with an A, not Ampere the unit, which has yeah, an A on the end. I like that. Um, Volts, amps. Yeah. The Volt, you know, it does it like a car they have to make. The thing is, you know, it, mm. it's got to get out there before it is going to do anything to save the company. Yeah. And w what's the launch schedule? When's the launch schedule? 211, 212, I think. When in Europe, 210 in the States? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're going to get it quite quickly to Europe, but they've already sort of said, with the release of this sketch, they're saying, look, it'll be the Chevy Volt lightly tweaked for Europe but this is how we're going to be able to do it so fast if you want a bespoke European car of this nature then you're going to have to hang on a bit so mm. you know, put up or shut up you're, you, you're demanding these cars so you know how I feel about Cadillac I love the idea of Cadillac the execution hasn't been that good I just do I love the idea of personally owning a Cadillac I love it works Cadillacs. for me yeah any Cadillac they've had the good times and bad times Frank Cannon <laughs> Actually, no, he drove a Lincoln, didn't he? Mark Lincoln. 7. Yes, he did. Yeah, it was a Lincoln yeah. Mark 7, thinking about so it. So you I, don't like Cadillacs? You no, I, I, like I, I like old Lincolns, but oh I do love God. Caddies. Did you see that Lincoln, that compact Lincoln concept at Detroit? It was terrible. Oh, oh, the one based on the Mondeo chassis that had the hatchback. Like, yeah. that, now, that was foul. That was foul, foul, foul. But I love the idea of a Cadillac. And if I can get a Cadillac with vault underpinnings, I'd buy that car. That's it. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. He was Richard Porter. Goodbye. He was Zog. Goodbye. The closing music for today's programme is in the style of Sigur Ross, the Icelandic band. I thought it was appropriate, considering the weather that we've enjoyed here in the UK in the last couple of weeks, that I do a song about snow and ice. Uh, the song is called Ehe Spori Haradskiad Hal. Because just like the real Sigur Ross, this song is performed in Hopelandic or Von Lenska, the language they sing in, which is a made-up language that's a bit like Icelandic. If you don't speak the language yourself, and I'm sure you don't, you can read a translation of the lyrics on the website garethjones.tv. So um, here's Sigur Ross, Braun, with Ehe Spori Haradskiad How, or as it's known in English... 
use snow chains. And just like the real Sigur Ross, it starts with some strange sounds. I was Gareth Jones, this was Gareth Jones on Speed. See ya. Snerting te zien on speed at garethjones.tv Waar fleri, uplise, onksongur, lur, fra www.garethjones.tv Eta gerast, askrifandi, aulfiri frelas, a aistjuns pikur. Gareth Jones agrothi, ervio wispang. <tries>